0: Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the Mining Podcast. Um, and today's guest is uh, Julian Trigger, who's the CEO of Oldley Capital, Capital who focuses on long term investment opportunities in large scale natural resource assets, where it has identified the potential to add significant value. Julian comes from a financial from the financial industry and has an MBA from Harvard Business School and a, a Bachelor of Arts from the Harvard. Of Harvard University, and has joined Audley Capital from Anglo Pacific, who um, who we've obviously we've spoken about before. Um, Julian's been on a, a previous podcast with Anglo Pacific, um, so it'd be good to hear what he's up to now with Audley Capital, so um, and see what they're what they're up to. So let's welcome Julian back to the podcast. How you doing, Julian?
1: Great, Rob. Thank you so much for having me.
0: No, and I appreciate your time. Um, so for those that May not know you. I um, just wonder if you can just give us a brief snapshot of your, um, of your background.
1: Sure, with pleasure. I mean, I'm not a mining engineer by training. I'm not, um, you know, uh, very familiar with the intricate workings of um, mines, but I have been investing in the space um, since uh, roughly 2005. Um, my background prior to that was as a corporate financier and then managing the first activist fund in the uk so by definition we believe strongly in being involved in uh, situations where we invest and trying to be a catalyst for value creation and um you know i was lucky when i started to invest in the mining sector that we were on an upswing at that time uh so i made um good returns from initial investing Often. you know, in projects which weren't potentially uh, long-term sustainable, but uh, good learning experience. But I had my first real break when we found a um, company called Cambrian Mining, which owned Western Coal, which got into trouble, and we restructured that. And using the activist playbook, we um, created a lot of value. There was a a bit of a roller coaster ride, but we sold it from almost bankruptcy uh, for three point six billion dollars. Um, and um, and thereafter, um, I was asked to join Anglo Pacific. Uh, at the time, I joined; we had income of five million dollars. I've just stepped down, as you say, um, and um, you know our run rate is well over a hundred million dollars now. Uh, and the business has been completely diversified away from a coal heritage towards a very diversified, seventy-five percent um, battery materials facing business today. Uh, and then in the meantime. Um, Audley Capital uh, became more like a private equity family office and we bought some copper mines from Anglo-American with the um, management of uh, John McKenzie who'd been at Anglo um, and we paid around 200 million for that and we've just um, merged it for around $2 billion with um, capstone mining to create capstone copper. So for to some degree, an episode of my life is now concluded, you know, Mantos is public, I've left Anglo-Pacific, and now, uh, you know, I'm starting to embark on, on new ventures.
0: Yeah. Um. So, I just wondered, obviously, you just recently joined uh, Audley Capital, just wanted to give the uh, audience an overview of the company.
1: Well, I, 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 I've been working at Audley Capital for a long time, but I've just joined a company called Kotec, um, which is um, based on the... Um, TSX. Uh, it stands for technology investing in commodity extraction. Um, and uh, I hope that uh, Kotech will be, you know, my next major um, opportunity. Uh, and it's really going to focus on investing in um, very green disruptive technologies, uh, which have a much lower carbon footprint, lower costs, more modular way of approaching the business, and so much more flexibility but sharing a uh, commonality of utilizing less power um, and less water than historical uh, processing technologies. Um, and then the idea is to actually take those technologies and apply them to commodity-rich assets um, and um, create a lot of value by doing so. But the focus of CoTech will be um, less on historic mining and, and more on um, circular economy on reprocessing and recycling, which, you know, I believe is going to be the next big opportunity for the commodity sector. So, um, uh, Kotech was a shell. Um, It has significant tax losses um, and um, literally, um, I think on Monday coming, it will start trading, having made its first two acquisitions and having effectively uh, been admitted to the Um, TSXV with a change of control by the um, Toronto Stock Exchange. So it's a very um, exciting beginning for what I hope will evolve into um, an uh, innovative challenger to the incumbents of the mining sector in terms of how um, it can create value and extract commodities.
0: Um, before we go on to speak about Kotech, um, obviously you just finished a, um, obviously a successful stint as the CEO of Anglo-Pacific, um, whereby the run rate of income rose by more than 20, 20 times over eight years. Um, and you've just obviously merged your copper business with Mentos and Capstone at almost um, 10x its cost. Where do you
1: see the, the value today? Well, I mean, obviously, I've been thinking a lot about that, Rob, um, over the past year in advance of these um, changes in my career. And it's not clear to me that we're um, at the bottom of the commodity pricing cycle. I mean, there are many commodities that have gone up a lot. The war has driven many prices much further than people expected. And so I think um, you know, undertaking conventional mining investments at this stage we may well be at the beginning of a long super cycle, we may be you know, in the first, lowest third, but it's clearly a much more risky space than uh, when we were obviously at the bottom. And so the risks associated with investing in the sector have really grown enormously um, and you know, God willing, there'll be peace in the Ukraine, um, you know, COVID will go away. And then there is the possibility um, of certain commodities slipping back significantly with um, negative effect on commodity pri- on commodity and equity pricing. Um, and since the greatest determinant of um, profitability for investing in the sector is entry price, um, conventional um, mining investing is much more risky now than it was three or four years ago. So, um, you know, I'm looking um, at other places where I think there will be value and as I mentioned earlier around the co-tech philosophy, um, you know waste, I think, is going to be a big opportunity. I think recycling and reprocessing around the circular economy is going to be the next big thing. There's a lot of growth there. It's an incipient sector um, which is somewhat um, fragmented. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities not only on the asset side but also on the liability management side um, and and I think also You know, these um, process technologies, which I'm very interested in, are also relatively cheap and at the beginning of their um, life cycle. So those, I think, are the more interesting places to be putting money to work, which is really why that's the strategy of Kotech.
0: Yes, certainly. Um, I just wonder if you can tell us a little bit more about the new vehicle, uh, Kotech, that you're involved in.
1: Well, as I said, you know, it's a relatively small company. There was a shell It has. A lot of tax losses. Um, it um, has, in addition to myself as CEO, uh, and that's also going to be announced or has been announced um, in, the, in the next day or two. Uh, my longtime colleague, Lucia Genovese, who ran the copper business of Glencore <clears throat> and is also the chairman of Forexpo, is chairman of Kotech. Um, um, uh, Bram Yonka, who I worked with uh, many years. Um, is the um, finance director Tom Albanese, who was the CEO of um, Rio, uh, is on the board as well. Um, and Culturally, we expect the business to look differently to traditional mining companies, so we expect to see many more women, much more gender diversity, um, m- much more um, ethnic diversity, um, and, and a culture of a company which is much more open and collaborative and like a Silicon Valley company in terms of working with others to solve the problems facing the world and the sector. Um, So the company, um, it was suspended because it it didn't have a business, uh, but we've just uh, raised um, a bunch of money to um, make our first two investments. uh, And that has been approved by the TSX as a change of business. And so the business is gonna start operating now. And um, we hope then we will be able to scale something which it looks and feels Different and new is a disruptive player for the um, commodity extraction sector and has the opportunity to scale significantly. Um, you obviously just
0: mentioned about two new investments. I just wondered if, that have just been announced. I just wonder if you can just explain a little
1: bit about those. Well, both of those investments are typical of our philosophy, which is to buy really a disruptive innovative technologies and then apply them to assets. So the first one is a company called Binding Solutions. Uh, which actually comes out of the UK um, academic environment, but it's, it's you know, over 10 years old now. And Binding Solutions is the world leader in cold agglomeration. So it can make pellets out of iron ore without heat. Um, it does so by using an organic polymer, um, which can bind, uh, but it doesn't have, therefore, the um, carbon footprint of traditional pelletizing uh, and its carbon footprint's around five percent of the traditional uh, pelletizer. Moreover, a traditional pelletizer requires a you know one to two million tons a year um, throughput to make it commercially viable. This requires 150,000 tons, so it's much cheaper, much uh, greener, um, and is potentially a very important solution in the creation of green steel um, in the future. And so, all of the um, world's leading um, iron ore producers, and some of the steel juices are clients um, of Binding Solutions, and um, it's getting a very good reception from that community champion iron, uh, who are leading in Canada to try and create a premium iron ore product, um, are significant shareholders, and they have somebody um, on the board as well. But what's interesting about Binding Solutions is not only the primary product, um, which could be transformative And in fact, the company is further advanced on creating um, EAF pellets than DRI pellets. And those EAF pellets um, potentially um, could be used to create um, EAF steel, which can be used for automobiles, which would be a big breakthrough for the EAF market. So so that's another exciting development. Um, But equally important and interesting to me is that um, the Binding Solutions technology can be used to re-agglomerate. Uh, waste and tailings, um, particularly of um, uh, ferro alloy, ferro alloys, um, and and ferrous containing materials, and they have um, developed two scaled um, uh, plants doing that very successfully. Um, particularly one at um, in the UK, um, which has already done over half a million tons of briquettes from steel stack. um And so, CoTech um, has made an investment. In um, this business, it's actually made an investment at almost half of the latest round of investing, which was done by a Japanese trading house. So we have an uplift um, on this investment when it's made. I think the payment's due to occur tomorrow. Um, And um, we've also got the right to apply the technology to waste opportunities in different jurisdictions. And each waste opportunity... And this, again, feeds, Rob, into my philosophy that, you know, where there's waste, uh, where there's muck, there's brass, as they say, or at least, um, you know, that waste is going to be seen as a very valuable asset, um, as a sort of national heritage uh, that needs to be uh, looked after more carefully. Um, And so each waste dump that we plan to recycle and reprocess is equivalent of a mine. You just don't have to mine it. um, You just have to reprocess it. Um, and so we're engaged in discussions with different ways, opportunities. Um, some in the U.S., some in Canada, um, which I think will be very exciting for Cotech. And even just doing one of these would create more value than the current market cap of Cotech. So that's the first investment. Um, the second one we're making is a commitment to a private equity fund that's being formed in Australia by the principals from our RFC Ambrian. Um, who I've known for some time, and they are interested in particular monetizing the intellectual property of the CSIRO, uh, which is a research institute in Australia. Um, and again, you know, we have the right to apply the technologies to particular assets. One of the first opportunities and technologies in the fund is a, a technology called Nextdoor, which is one of these advanced. Um, uh, processing technologies and Nextdoor using MRI um, scanning technology can sense within two seconds the grade of an ore on a conveyor belt. Um, and so, for instance, you know, for copper projects which have say a 0.8% average grade, which might vary from 0.2% to 2%, Nextdoor can allow us to remove the 0.2% grade, which it therefore means that you process much less um, or the grades are higher and your carbon footprint is lower. And so um, that's the second example. And um, we are also now looking at different copper deposits where Nextdoor can really make a difference in their um, cost profile. So that, that gives you a feel of the sort of you know, innovative, um, you know, uh, disruptive technologies, which we think can help reduce carbon footprints and reduce costs and really transform the way in which we extract commodities and the way in which the world will need for the next decade. Yeah. No,
0: and that's certainly uh, good to hear those two, um, two investments that you've made and um, look forward to the progress of those, uh, those two investments. Obviously, with these and obviously what's going on in the world at the moment, how do you see the sort of Ukraine crisis affecting, affecting the mining sector?
1: Well, I think the crisis, um, you know, which is obviously regrettable, will have significant long-term and short-term consequences. I think, in in the short term, clearly, um, you know, the supply of materials from the Ukraine, in particular, is going to be cut off, Um, and so there are some commodities, um, like I don't know, iron ore pellets or potash, um, uh, which will be affected. Um, Obviously, sanctions against Russia will reduce the ability of the West to access certain Russian uh, materials like nickel, but those may well go to China. So that may, after a period of time, um, you know, not be a permanent loss of world production. Uh, but I, I think um, in the short term, we'll see, as we have seen, um, that coal is back and other um, less green materials are going to be necessary in the short term. Um, in certain countries, so um, I think that, that's obviously been very positive um, you know for the coal price both thermal and um, coking um, but in the medium term, um, I think we will see uh, a renewed emphasis and pressure on greening quicker because this is going to delay us getting to the cop targets uh, and so it's going to be more expensive and and there's going to be more pressure to get there um, quicker later, uh, because this is all going to be happening you know, more slowly than the world could, could have expected. Much broader consequences clearly are the breakdown of globalization, the, gl- the breakdown of you know, trading blocks, and a return to national strategic interests, as we're seeing, for instance, in Germany. All of that is much less efficient um, than having one global supply chain. So there's going to be much more demand and inefficiency in the commodities, um, you know, chain of supply, um, and that will lead to higher um, prices. Um, So we definitely see, um, you know, more national supply chains in the US, in the UK, in different European countries, in Japan, in China, Russia, et cetera, which will be um, definitely more expensive for the world. and, and, and obviously, there's going to be a lot of um, also um, cost inflation uh, for the sector. So finding um, quick um, ways to extract commodities, for instance, using waste like Kotech is going to be doing, um, I think will be part of the way in which we can all help to make this difficult period more um, manageable for, for, for the different um, consumers and and countries globally. Um,
0: Following on from this, um, how do you see the commodity sector evolving over the next decade and
1: I suppose beyond? Well, I think um everybody's realizing, first of all, with COVID and with the electric um uh revolution and now also with Ukraine and Russia, how important our sector is. Um, you know, I've always said that we are the spark of that creates civilization um, in one way. And without the things that we produce, uh, the world would grant to a halt. And for a long time, there was very muddled thinking where, for instance, you know, I heard of institutions who said, we'll invest in electric vehicles, but we won't invest in mining. Uh, and they didn't link the two at all. I think the linkage is becoming more obvious. And, you know, we see um, governments waking up um, to the strategic importance of, of our sector. And, and also, um, we see Commodity-facing corporates like Tesla being more vocal about their dependence and need for certain commodities. So I think the most important thing will be that mainstream acceptance of commodities and mining as necessary um, and not a necessary evil, but actually necessary benefit. Um, You know, that we are the facilitators, that without the production of the commodities which we are responsible for, the world will not make its green targets. Um, And so I think, hopefully, um, consumers will start to embrace the idea. And at the same time, of course, the sector will become much more responsible and greener, um, and the uh, emphasis on ESG matters will help the um, profile. So I think we are going to be going into a better time um, for the sector. Uh, And clearly, you know, there is going to be a, a, a lot of demand for uh, battery-facing materials, um, you know, we, we're going to have also, I think, demand from the defense sector. I mean, there's going to be a huge rush to rearm all over the world, uh, which again, you know, will, will, will require a lot of our, our materials. So you're going to have consumers needing uh, materials for green, uh, you know, vehicles, people who want to have lower carbon footprint, needing the materials we we, um, we can produce for solar or wind farms, um, you know, the defense sector. Um, I think it's going to be a much more um, positive backdrop, but, you know, there could be all sorts of surprises to come still. Um, and when everybody is um, almost uniformly bullish about the sector, as they are now, as I've noticed in recent conferences, I think that is also a contrarian warning sign that you know things can appear from left field, um, so I think the sector is much more complacent about substitution replacement than it should be. Uh, and if commodity prices go up, um, you know we we could see the emergence of new um, alloys um, which change the, the demand picture. So you know one can never be complacent and um, and 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 um, you know just relying on the current trend, um, I think it will always be uh, a somewhat challenging space where you have to be nimble in terms of seeing the future trends.
0: Obviously, as you're involved in, obviously, disruptive technologies, um, why has the mining industry traditionally been really slow to adopt new technologies, from, obviously, from your perspective?
1: Well, I think the mining um, industry um, has, well, first of all, culturally um, – You know, the mining industry comes from a a less flexible place. I mean, the culture comes from the 19th century Ruhr, um, you know, uh, businesses where it was very much a command and control structure and it was a competitive structure. I think we need to change our culture to being one where we can all work together to solve the world's problems and not um, where, you know, it's a zero sum game. It can be a a win-win situation for all of us. so I think that that was one, one thing, that people were, were very competitive. Um, I think secondly, um, th- there's been, and rightly so, an enormous emphasis in the sector on safety, because if things are not safe, um, then people can lose their lives, which, which obviously is a huge cost. So I think people have tended, therefore, to have a bias to the known uh, and not want to be too... Innovative, you know. I think the culture has often been well. If it's not broken, let's not change it. Um, and um, and so I think for many years uh, there were lots of uh, new discoveries which were very slow to be adopted. I think the way in which you know the world as a whole is approaching risk and innovation now has changed fundamentally with the rise of Silicon Valley. I think people now are much more open to failure um, as a way of learning. Um, about how to do things better. Uh, and I think that, together with the accumulated uh, inventions in these universities over the past couple of years, the pressure on mining companies to reduce their carbon footprint um, and um, the rise of SPACs, which um, are more suited to technology than traditional mining, in my view, has meant that that old formula of resisting change um, has has had to change and so i think you know you see now bhp ventures you see rio ventures you've seen anglo um looking to invest in the space and i think you've also seen now a lot of funds from silicon valley coming into the sector like um breakthrough ventures um you know or um uh generation capital so i think the whole picture is changing quite quickly and i hope that kotech will be an Important part of of the way in which the sector changes towards innovation.
0: Will uh, CoTech play a role in the supply chain for the metals and minerals um, needed to speed up the transition to cleaner energy and
1: more electric vehicles? Well, I think we absolutely hope to do so. And you know, one of the advantages of focusing on recycling and reprocessing is you don't have the long time horizon to get permitted for a new mine. Uh, you know, the time to get permitted has extended from discovery to production, so sometimes as much as 20 years. the world can't afford to wait 20 years for the materials that are needed to make this transition. And so um, for instance, with the binding solutions, um, if we found the appropriate dump, it would be two years before we can start producing metals. So I think we believe we can um, you know, help um, uh, extract the metals quite quickly that are going to be necessary for the way in which the world evolves. Um, and um, you know, the COTECH model is to both be um, a technology um, incubator and investor, but also um, quite rapidly to move to being an operator of assets. Um, and it's in that operation phase where I think we can also um, you know, produce uh, metals that are needed quite quickly.
0: The Canadian government recently announced a plan to spend nearly four billion dollars um, to boost uh, domestic production of strategic uh, minerals like lithium and copper, which are obviously key part, um, which are a key part of obviously the global um, electric vehicle supply chain. Are you seeing any regulatory changes to help accelerate the transition to a green economy um, that obviously could benefit Cotech? Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, I
1: think. Part of the breakdown of the global supply chain and the development of the national supply chains. Um, you know, we are seeing in, in all countries moves to um, subsidise um, and ha- and create funding for new strategic metals. So the U.S. is moving quite quickly. I'm on the um, committee advising the U.K. government um, on the critical resource uh, metals uh, supply. Um, you know, the EU's been at it for a while, um, and all of these are different pools of capital which Cotec can tap in due course for the appropriate technology. So, um, you know, depending where our assets are ultimately going to be located, and they will generally be in those Western jurisdictions, there will be pools of capital available to subsidize the uh, production of greener um, metals. And, you know, the common characteristic of the technologies which Kotech is investing in uh as i mentioned at the beginning of our chat are that they are much cheaper they are much greener they're much more flexible and modular and they use less heat and less water and all of those things are things which i think governments are trying to um uh, encourage uh in their, in their in their different jurisdictions um so the first couple of things we you know we are looking at um as I say, in iron ore and ferro-alloys, in copper, um, you know, cobalt. um, uh, But we're also looking at interesting things like, you know, recycling rare earths. Um, We are looking at um, ways in which we can utilize nuclear waste uh, much more efficiently. These are very interesting and strategic opportunities to create value um, for, um, you know, national economies um, as well as for COTECH itself.
0: And lastly, um, what's next for Kotech uh, for the rest of of this year?
1: Well, I think, as I said, we're we're about to close our fundraise. Um, We um, are going to start trading next week. Then I think we need to raise much larger sums of capital to buy the assets which we need to um, execute the technologies on. Um, So I think we see the business scaling and growing with becoming larger, more institutional. There are also new um, high profile uh, directors who we're in discussions with who are going to join the board. And I think ultimately, you know, the mining sector so far hasn't produced the incumbent challenges uh, like you've seen in, you know, retailing or automotive or, um, you know, media that other sectors have seen. Um, I think the uh, challengers, to the to the majors will come out of this left field technology space using technology to build businesses which are at a cost advantage um, and and more nimble and that's what kotech would like to be that's their ambition um, and so we're be- at the beginning of this journey uh, but we've seen very interesting technologies very interesting asset opportunities and um, i'm um, confident that we'll scale quite a interesting business uh, from a small, slow start. So that's where we're going, Rob.
0: Yeah. Julian, really appreciate your time. And it's interesting to hear uh, these two, obviously, new investments that you're involved in uh, around, obviously, disruptive technologies um, for, obviously, extraction. And um, obviously, wish you well uh, for the rest of this year and, and ongoing with those, uh, with those investments. If our audience wants to reach out to you, if they have any questions... And um, how can I go about doing that? And obviously, also find out how you're how you're progressing with these
1: uh, investments. Well, Kotech's a public company, so um, you know we will be making public disclosures. Uh, but my, you know, my email address is treger at kotech.ca. Um i and um, very happy to engage in dialogue with your um, uh, viewers and 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 listeners. Um, you know, we continue to hunt. For um disruptive innovative technologies which are both scalable and have high margins and for which there are interesting um, asset applications and and we also you know are interested in finding um assets which are you know not as profitable as they could be they may be so- somewhat marginal where technology could make a big difference to them so as well if any of your um, followers um, have ideas we' very open to um, listening to those. So thank you very much for the opportunity to um, talk a bit about COTECH and how I see the uh, landscape changing and the opportunity set. And uh, I hope um, yeah, I'll be able to report back positive things next time I appear on your, on your, on your podcast.
0: Yeah, no worries. And uh, yeah, more than welcome to come back later on this year or next year and give us an update on, on how how these and how Kotech how and some of your other um, investments are going. So really appreciate your time. And those that are listening, um, it's an interesting episode. Um, certainly some um, disruptive technologies that Julian just spoke about. <clears throat> and I think a few of us need to, or a few people in the industry, and especially those that are listening, um, look at disruptive Technologies to improve some of the processes that um, the industry is, is probably crying out for um, because obviously the demand for commodities is just going to be ever increasing, um, and obviously the time scales um, need to be obviously reduced um, because the amount of time to actually um, find a commodity and turn it into production um, obviously just takes a very long time. So, um, really appreciate you for listening um please share this episode uh amongst others in the industry so they get to uh um hear what julian has to say and how how they're um how they've turning these um his investments into um obviously the technologies that he's been he's getting involved in um because obviously it's educational as well so um, really appreciate your time for listening so until next time happy mind. thank you for listening